Hello, everybody, and welcome to the LinkedIn Live event today. Today, I'm joined by Maria, who's a senior producer of Rovio, and Alice, who's a product lead at Mag Interactive. And today, we're going to be talking about fostering the future of gaming and leading gaming talent. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. First off, I thought I'd just give you a little bit of an intro on Evolution, if you're not aware of who we are. So Evolution, we are a community-led IT and tech recruitment company in the UK, and I'm on the gaming team here, and we only do freelance slash contract recruitment. And part of our mission is to add value to the gaming industry as much as possible. And we've done over 100 gaming podcasts uh, starting this year with live podcasts on LinkedIn as well. So feel free to reach out if you've got any questions. Uh, if you are new to LinkedIn Live as well, in terms of Q&A at the very end, we are going to be doing that around about 50 minutes time. And if you're new, all you've got to do is just put your questions in the comments box as well and we'll get to them at the end and any questions that we don't get to um, we'll, we'll we'll answer them after the, the LinkedIn live event so um, let's just kick it off so um, Alice and Maria we'll just start off with something nice and easy and what led you to your current position um, and have you got any tips for, for people looking to, to get in those positions as well yeah sure you go first Alice all right thank you um my current position I was actually um previously a designer and I uh wanted to work at mag because I'd heard about them and, and met some people from mag so I looked at their um job postings to see if they had any design roles open uh but instead they had this project lead role and I was like oh I would be punching way above my weight to apply for this but I'm gonna do it anyway and just see if anything happens and uh yeah, I got the job and it, it's really great I I love doing this it's like um I guess a bit more about like a bit more of production side of things and and running the team um but yeah, I'm really loving it perfect I I love that and I love the sentiment that you applied for it even if you yeah. like were like the not uh, for me. It was a long journey. Uh, just a nice background info. I used to sell toilets, like actual porcelain toilets, <laughs> you know, before games. Uh, that was a long road from there, starting from office management to player support to community management, all the way da da da. And now, as a producer, uh, my way to Robbie actually was just me trying to achieve my dreams, and I finally knew what I really want to do and what I really want to get my craft knowledge like deep in, and that was production and leadership. So here I can cater that need, and here I am. Amazing. Awesome. And and what tips have you got for someone who's looking to to do the same thing and hasn't quite cracked it yet? Yeah, I guess you want to start off this time, Maria? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, definitely, like like you mentioned, like when you look at those open applications or the job descriptions or postings that, oh, we are looking for this and this, just apply. Don't hesitate. You will never fill all the boxes, I promise you, because the companies are always looking for that one unicorn can do, that can do everything. And I think there's some cultural thing, especially I feel in Finland, that 
a lot of the time women don't actually apply if they don't actually check every single so box. True. While guys are like, oh, I don't even know what this is about, but I'm gonna apply to there. So whether you are guy, women, whatever your cultural background is, whatever your age is, your experience, if you think this is what I want to do, I can do this. I will learn how to do this. Just apply. Do it. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I think it's the same here in the UK. And I think it, it's probably a global thing that, um, you know, not not just women, but like anyone who's underrepresented as well, like, will, will feel like, you know, they have to meet every criteria to apply for something. But um, definitely, in my experience, everyone who's already in the industry will say, just just apply anyway, give it a shot, like, you know, give the work of saying whether or not you can do it to someone else and, and just go in with the mind that you can do it. Um, I would say, you know, if, if you're at the start and you're trying to to get in to the beginning, you know, just think about what it is you enjoy and, and what you would like to do and look at the types of games that you think, you know, I'd be really interested to work on something like this and then try and look at the uh, the websites for the companies that make them and, and sort of study the job specs and see what they're asking for. Um, and then just try and work out, you know, your path from where you are now to ending up there. Oh, that, uh, like, sorry, uh, if you're not fully aware of those roles as well, just research. We have all the internet yeah. in us. And I will link some links uh, later on, but there's like just YouTube, Udemy, plural sites, all those pages that you can just type the role and see what the role is about in reality. Because even that varies in, in between companies like day and night. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely. No, I love that. Um, obviously, the, the big thing there, which I love what you said then, Marie, was don't worry if you're not a unicorn. Um, you know, just just try anyway um but no love that some great takeaways for for the listeners um so uh, another question uh, again I'll, I'll ask it sort of open-ended for, for both of you and put it on the screen is how do you foster uh, a supportive and inclusive environment for newcomers who are in your studios yeah i think um so often like on an individual basis or um various like uh studios i've worked at there's like a mentorship program in place or some kind of like buddy system um and when you join like you you get paired up with someone else um i have seen like just people being nice in teams and it's like you know if you're from a completely different department as well um the you know if you ask questions and want to learn about things that there is this like kind of openness of, of like explaining how things work. Those have been the teams I've seen that have been the most successful. And it's definitely the case like at MAG, we've got this really open culture. We do lots of knowledge sharing and, and it's really, really good for making sure that people feel welcomed even if they're new. Um, and I think also just like having an open mind when, when you're putting job specs out and saying like, you know, this um we want a producer but they don't have to have been a producer before or like uh we, we want someone who's like amazing as a, a game designer but maybe that they're not from a games background they might have done some other kind of product design or maybe this uh mid-level role doesn't have to be mid-level maybe it can be junior so i think like it's always really a good sign to me when uh hiring managers and studios are able to be a bit more flexible about what they're looking for Highly agree on all of those. And uh, I think in general, most of the companies usually also have a really good intranet for the company stuff. So if you don't know how games company itself works, there's uh, just a page that you can search everything. And then every game has their own documentation. So you don't need to learn all of it. You don't need to memorize all of it. Every time you need to search for something, you have these tools like Confluence. You go, you search for the one thing and you learn about that. And 
uh, I also really watch for the body system and also like above and beyond the work, directly work related, there's after work activities where you can bond with your teammates and you can touch those work related things on there as well, like by accident almost. So we have like outdooring and stuff like that. So you get to know these people and you just naturally share your experiences within every team and game project and uh, especially after works, uh, Finland are very popular. So when we have a bottle of beer in front of us, we suddenly spill out all the experiences from the past as well. Where did we learn these things and how is it going now? So just networking and bonding with your teammates in the company as well. You're never alone yeah. in this industry. Just to kind of like add on to that as well, because it's really ringing true for me about this, like, you know, engaging in the social side of work as well and asking these questions you really get out what you put in. If if you feel like you can't, like, you know, if, if you're not asking those things or you're not engaging in the afterworks, not going, um, that was probably like the biggest mistake for me when I started off in my career was I was just really shy. And I I was really afraid that if I asked questions, people would be like, you shouldn't be in a games company. You don't know anything. Um, and, and that like, you know, if I went to the socials, I wouldn't have anyone to talk to and stuff. But um at, at some point, I just got over it. It was like, actually, no, everyone's really nice. Everyone wants me to to learn more about these things. And I was able to realize the longer I was in the industry that, you know, it's actually smart to ask questions about things you don't know. And um, the way you make friends and have people to talk to is by trying to do that. So um, if the in- infrastructure is there, like if your company's open to learning and has socials, engaging in that can just be so valuable. Someone smart said to me once, like, uh, if you are brave enough to ask the silly question, like you can bet that in the same room, there's other who has been thinking the same question for so long, but they just didn't have the courage to ask the same thing. So I don't mind being so silly one. <laughs> I, there's no stupid questions in this industry, even yeah. for the extra mega seniors. There's always something you simply cannot know, you didn't know, and you will learn soon. Yeah, that's really been my experience as well. No, love that, guys. So again, some great points there. Um, uh, the next thing which we wanted to ask is you know can you share examples of successful mentorship or training programs implemented at your studios that have worked really well um i could maybe start with something that was not studio specific but uh, there's global and at least finland have their own specific uh organizations non-profit ones that does amazing mentorship so there's women in gaming and in finland it's called we in gaming there's probably plenty more but I have had one of my best mentorship programs there because sometimes you have things that you might not be able to ask within the company. Uh, so when I reached out to one of those, I got my own mentor from a different role who guided me a lot. So shout out to Two Dreams and Eric. He helped me a lot on my uh, way of becoming producer uh, because in one of the companies I had to do also like producing included projects, um, more like the project and management stuff as well, which I was not so familiar with. So he was able to share me a lot of those details from his company as well. So it was very valuable to have like totally different company version of the same stuff that you are doing as well. So uh, plenty of mentorship programs outside of the companies as well. Yeah, definitely. Like Mitch uh, in the comments has just mentioned Limit Break, which if you're in the UK is such an amazing program. I, I've been mentoring through Limit Break for a couple of years now and this year I've been a mentee for the first time and I'm, I'm there to like learn more about leadership. And um, yeah, I've, I've got an amazing mentor who has 20 years of experience in games. I'm just such a fan of her. So having that opportunity to learn from someone else 
Um, and, and it being outside of your company really does broaden your horizons as well, because, you know, you, you can kind of get into this like headspace where there's a certain way of working somewhere or a certain company culture. And um, then you don't really learn about other ways of doing things. So you you'd kind of miss out on the fresh things you could bring to your team. Um, so it's also really good from that perspective as well. Um, in terms of the things that we do in house, um, I think a lot of companies do this, but like Mag does an annual like knowledge sharing conference where we all like get together and and, and party and um, share information, and it's just great for like meeting people who work in the other office because we're split between Brighton and Stockholm, um, and uh having like the the knowledge sharing between different teams uh is is so good uh we also do internships and so there's like a a real feeling of wanting to get people new to the industry into the company and and attract that new talent um and every intern again this is pretty much standard at least at the uh, companies i've been lucky enough to to work with but every intern has like a mentor who will take them through stuff and help them learn and we have personal development days and things like that so there's definitely a lot of energy and resources that go towards making people fulfill their potential and level up. Um, oh, and I just realized as well, uh, a shout out to some other mentorship programs similar to Limit Break and similar to the ones that Maria was mentioning, but um, that sort of serve a global audience. Um, the IGDA Foundation do some mentoring and um, they have great programs as well where they sometimes send people to conferences. I got to go to to GDC a few years ago when I was studying, which was an amazing experience. Um, and there's another one that's called Diversity Champions as well that's global. Um, so there, there's things out there. Uh, I'm happy to post some links at the end of this just Definitely. so that, yeah, everyone gets a chance to have a mentor. <laughs> and I would maybe say this goes very well hand in hand with the be brave enough to ask the question. Like yeah. I've never had someone say no to me when I send a question at LinkedIn or asking Evan like, hey, do you have any tips for this? How have you solved this problem? People are so happy to share, especially if they have had lessons learned. So please avoid this, rather try this. Just ask, they, they will yeah. invite you. Definitely. If you reach out to someone, like, I guess, worst case scenario is that maybe they don't have time to reply um, and you just don't get an answer. But you can always ask someone else because there's not really like one person who's the ultimate source of knowledge. It's it's really spread out. Lots of people know lots of things. Um, you'd be really unlucky to get someone answering in like a, an unpleasant way. And, and that's probably more indicative of who they are as a person than like the scenario of asking that question. No, love that. All all points are very, very valid and all the links will be in the, the comments below from Alice and Maria as well. So make sure that you check those out too. So uh, another question then. So I'll just share it on the screen so everyone can see who is listening at home. So how do you ensure talent development and growth for newcomers within your studios? Yeah, like I kind of started mentioning some of this before where we have the personal development budget and that can be used for like personal training programs like oh I want to do a Udemy course or something we have a big list of these resources we share around um it can mean going to conferences or speaking at conferences because all those things grow you in different ways uh we also do a mag jam every so often which is a, a game jam where we all take some time out and and work on various projects for some people that's working on something to do with their game that they don't have time to work on usually, or for other people, it's working on their own personal game they do for fun in their free time. So 
um, it, there's just a real focus on growing in different ways. But I think it also comes down to like managers being champions for for people having that time to learn. Like there's someone on my team who is uh, a bit less experienced, and um, the the more senior people who work closely with them make sure that they have time to to learn additional things as well. Like, you know, there's this certain type of art that they're doing all the time, but also it'd be nice if they could learn some 3D art. So we'll make sure that in the sprint there's time for that. Um, so it's just kind of like a mixture of um, if you can communicate what you need, um, a, a good manager will help you get that and, and help you learn and grow in those ways. Especially from the leadership uh, role, uh, I love development discussions and I spend a lot of time discussing with the people about their needs and their motivations, like what actually motivates them, not just in work, but in life itself. Because some people really love to learn something new. For some, it's actually a bit stressing, so there needs to be a balance. And vice versa, I also want to learn what frustrates them so I can maybe avoid some of the things and focus on the like positive growth and learning uh, and definitely agreed on on the company providing a lot of the tools and resources like for example um, I love to use Scrum Master as a good example because it requires a certificate and a lot of the companies actually want to buy that course for you that you get the certificate that you have the learning uh, this is something you can study on your own as well and the certificate is not the proof that you're good at it but it's a quite expensive thing that nobody wants to buy themselves so the companies are willing to do that for you if they see that hey this person is really up for this task and they really want to learn about this so just vocal it out that you want something and we will provide that yeah and quite often there's a budget in place for it already like whether it's transparent to employees or not uh, you might know every employee has this much a year that they can spend on personal development, or it might be something that is known by like leadership and HR. And if you ask for that to be spent on things, then you're likely to be approved for it. So it's just about making a case and being like, this is how it will help me. And there's even small things like, I think every studio I've worked for had a tiny like bookshelf full of resources uh, yeah. to learn about things. So just speak and you ask like recommendations, what should I read, what I should learn. And I think at Rovio, one big thing we have a focus on is the craft leadership. So in addition, for example, uh, for me being a producer and taking care of my team, there's the production craft and I have craft leadership on that who make sure that all the producers, we will be learning up-to-date things, we will be sharing knowledge. Yeah. And the same applies through art, tech, code, everything. So it's not just a team-specific thing, but the company caters the craft itself. Mm, yeah definitely and, and when we do this kind of learning and invest in that way everyone wins like the company gets so much more out of you when you're growing as an employee and you're able to do more things and bring more understanding and, and take those learnings back and you win because you know you've, you've grown in terms of what you can do and the possibilities open to you in the future and the games industry wins because you know we, we've got better talent so it's just a really nice symbiotic thing I guess it's got good synergy <laughs> No, awesome. Love that, guys. Love that. So um, another question then. Um, I'll just throw it up again. So what common challenges do new professional face um, and how can leaders address them effectively? I think some of the stuff we talked about a bit earlier, like feeling feeling unsure of yourself, like not having the confidence so common when you start off and, you know, anyone can feel like that. And imposter syndrome every day, yeah, all the syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that 
obviously like the people who are in positions of success and they're in the spotlight usually they've either overcome that or maybe they're part of the lucky small group who never feel that way um and and so we kind of model our behavior after them and feel like an imposter but we're not talking about our vulnerabilities and um there's a, a great podcast rise and play by uh sophie Vo that talks about um you know uh, among various other things one of the, the themes that comes up a lot is leadership being vulnerable and being open about what's going on for them and and i think that that can be really healthy because it, it helps people of all different levels and different types of experience to understand we're all still human like we're all still struggling with different things you don't have to be uh, a superhero who doesn't have any concerns to to be at the top of your industry um but also I, th- I think there's like practical challenges when you start off you know everything costs money like going to a conference costs money if you don't live near where these things happen it's expensive and virtual things like this uh, can be really useful for um connecting with people and, and having like that information exchange there's um a list i think it's called reach out anytime um that gets linked around on on linkedin um where there's a list of professionals on there uh who are happy to have like a 30 minute chat if you want to ask them for some advice so you know if you don't have the capacity or if you don't fit the eligibility criteria for mentorship programs that that get linked as well um, anyone can can book a chat with the people on that list and, and just send them a message. There's a great talk by um, Chris Sayers as well, who's a, a VFX artist at Blizzard, um, where he talks about like a big part of of how he he took time out to self teach. To he went from being um, he was in recruitment before and didn't have any um, formal education for for being a VFX artist, but wanted to do it. So. Uh, a big part of how he did that was he would just connect with people on LinkedIn who were doing what he wanted to do and, and ask them how they got there. And um, he said that there was like a huge amount of people who helped him out, who sort of spent their time on that. So yeah, I can link the talk as well in the the comments because um, it's just full of loads of useful information. Definitely. I think there's like kind of two sides. So the people who are not yet in the industry, they have way different challenges and for them, uh, as leaders, we can definitely advocate for the openness, like, please come here, we need you, there's room for you. And especially in the roles, like there's one myth that I really want to break, like, please never ever consider that you need to be a programmer or artist to join the industry, like there's yeah. so much <laughs> more, there's so many roles. And kind of games is like hidden in the corner and people are like, that's that's the scary place. I don't know what is in there. So we can speak publicly open. We can recommend places. We can talk about the roles and I will be sharing some role lists. But um, even the like non-game specific things like we need legal people, we need HR people, we need someone to pay our paychecks, we need someone to take care of the office. So there's so much room in the games industry. So advocating for the openness and the roles that is what we can do and in addition i think there's a lot of workshops in the industry and like events where we can help you to optimize your cv optimize your linkedin help you get like uh, headshots if you need those uh introduce you to the right people introduce you to talent acquisition people uh, but we also need you to come and tell us what you want to do where do you want to go basically and then within the industry, especially for someone who just joined and is maybe uh, wondering what is the role, what can they do if they want to change the role or something like that, uh, especially 
in smaller teams when we have the retrospectives for each of the sprints i love to have that space for discussion not just about the project and the game but us as a team how can we evolve from that like is everyone doing what they actually really good is is there room for improvement is there something you can learn more and how do we as a team provide you the time for that a little bit like you said alice as well that uh, as leaders we have to make sure that there's room to learn those new things so retrospectives are a great tool for leaders to allow the room and space for that so people know okay this is the place and time where i can share what i would need for my career and our like us as a team or us as a game to be better in the future yeah definitely um and then i think like those kind of cycles of learning from things that come wrong like retros are amazing for that and i think it's also just a a way of thinking about failure and, and a way of thinking about vulnerabilities that um it's quite hard for people to do naturally at the start of their career um, you have to kind of like use that as a muscle, that way of thinking, and, and you get used to it. And it helps you learn from yourself as well. Um, it can be really useful. There's actually one uh, example I could give that I had someone in my team in one of the older companies that finally, after like months on the retro, uh, this person was able to tell me that I'm I'm actually hired as a UI artist, but honestly, I, I hate this. I would love to be a concept artist. I'm like, you only know, tell me. I have been approaching you with something that you love to do for the time being because you didn't tell me. So let me help you on this. Let me help you to find uh, either a new role in the company or maybe we can divide the workload or maybe if this is not really for you for a long time, maybe you find something else and uh, I, I cannot help if you don't tell me what you need. No, amazing. Love that. So again, don't forget all the relevant links will be in the, the comments below uh, from Alice and Maria as well. But the people who are in the, the games industry and are new, just don't be afraid to to speak out as well um, as, a, as a main takeaway there. Um, so another question then um, will be, how do you promote uh, innovation and create opportunities for new talent to contribute to projects in your companies? Do you want to go first with this one, Maria? I'd say the retrospective is one, again, because that is the place where you tell what did we do wrong in this sprint. And one is to really create that room for those questions and those thoughts, those silly questions that we were thinking about, because... Um, another example from very beginning of my journey in this industry, I, I came from the sales, so it was very natural for me to wonder how do we sell the games, and I just threw it out loud, like, so who do we actually market this game for? And at that time, uh, that specific process, it was only marketing to guys, and I'm like, I'm, I'm a gamer, so we don't market to me, so why don't we market to women, like, help me understand not asking it in a like um, nasty way, but like honestly, genuinely help me understand because I think, and then I justified my thinking, there's huge amount of people in women who also play games and so on. So if I would have never asked that question, we would probably never have went and uh, like promoted the women. But if I wouldn't have felt safe to ask that question, if there wasn't room, if there was nobody listening to that question, we wouldn't have gone anywhere. So making sure that there is safe space to ask questions, to throw those ideas, and just having time for brainstorming as well without shooting the ideas down. So I think often we forget that brainstorming should be just throwing out everything from your head out and then figuring it out. Uh, Having time for that, we are all busy in the games industry, but there's always time for a little bit of brainstorming. So especially the newcomers, because they are not yet so... 
uh, molded in the old habits or manners that we might have already formed. They have yeah. some of the best ideas sometimes that we it never even crossed in our heads because we are so used to doing things on a certain way. So the crazier the ideas, the better they usually are. Just drop them in. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. And and there's some things that when you come in as like with a fresh perspective, you think like, okay, I have a question about why this thing's done in this way, but it's so such an obvious question. Surely someone's asked this before and then maybe you sit on it and you don't ask the question. Um, like, I guess in Maria's example, you know, she could have come in and been like, oh, well, surely it's been discussed that there's a reason for not marketing to women. So I won't ask that. Like, you know, uh, but luckily she had the confidence to ask it anyway. And I think that that's such a key thing to to ask the questions and find out those answers because either it's something that's been discussed and done for a reason and then it's like, okay, I now have all these insights and learnings from it. But also it's just like a fresh perspective is so valuable. Um, when we're playtesting the the games we make at various studios I've been at, one of the most useful things for us is to to hand it to someone who's never played it before, because then you you see it for a new lens. You get all these like little biases and and just the way things are kind of um, really narrows your perspective on things. So having someone new come in is just so valuable. Um, and then in terms of like how to create opportunities for new talent. I think a lot of it comes down to like the um, having a good manager um, who who tries to create those opportunities. Um, like one of the best managers I've ever had um, was like just I, I was doing like a, a level design role at the time, um, and it, it wasn't what I wanted to do in the long term. Like I was just kind of doing that to to get started off, and um, I didn't like a, a job role came up at the company where it was more related to story which I find really interesting um but I never thought to put myself forward for it so I was like oh you know I worked here already if they thought I'd be good at that then maybe they'd ask me which is another like kind of um mistake I think people make a lot is is like not putting themselves forward for things and, and not um taking that chance but it was when I was running Dungeons and Dragons for my boss um, and he realized like, oh, Alice really loves storytelling and she's kind of good at it. Like maybe we can put her into this role that's related to story. Um, so really luckily for me, I, I had someone who was in charge who was sort of looking out at what I'm good at and what I'm interested in. Um, so uh, I think anyone who, who manages people who's in this call, please do that. If, if you're not doing it already, it's such a good thing to do. It changes people's lives. And um yeah, I, I think like for people on the other side of it who are looking out to try and find those managers to work with, um, you know, it really is that the team makes the job what it is, like the people you're going to be working with. And interviews are for you as well. Like when, when you're asking people questions in interviews, you get to the end and they say, do you have anything that you want to ask as well? If you can try and find a way to sort of temperature check whether or not they're going to be someone who cares about uh, helping you grow, it's so important at the start of your career. That Dungeons and Dragons, that reminded me of a perfect example as well. Uh, I was doing a narrative game, heavy focus on the narrative side, and I haven't done that before. So I'm like, okay, I, I just want to try out some new things. So I did hire freelancers on the concepting phase to come up with concepts. And I took one person who's super experienced games industry narrative writer. And then I just hired two very random people, which one of them was my dungeon master, because I'm like, hey, this guy, mind is perfect for this job. <laughs> 
and actually the work that he ended up doing was the one that the game concept was going forward with so that yeah. was like and he was he was studying like healthcare thing and he was like i could do games as well like interesting i, I almost got him into the industry but unfortunately he stick with the healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love that. Um, you know, brilliant, brilliant takeaways there. Um, and I love the whole Dungeon and Dragons theme as well. So if, you, if you're massively into D&D, uh, games is for you on the narrative side, for sure. Uh, just don't be afraid of, of reaching out. Um, cool. So um, another question then. So um, let me just bring it up on the screen for everyone. So what can established industry leaders learn from newcomers? And how can knowledge sharing benefit both parties? I mean, we briefly covered that um, a few questions ago, but I mean, what do you guys think? I think there's so much we can learn from like the way that uh, p- perspectives shift and uh, ideas about things shift. Like, I don't know, one of the things I hear people talk about a lot at the moment is like, we, we shouldn't be working as hard as we are and then we can do less um, more effectively. And I think that there's a real um, demand for that from new talent, like people who are starting their working careers for the first time or, um, you know, I, I think from everyone to an extent, because we, we've been through a lockdown and we've realized that, oh, actually, I don't have to be in the office all the time or, you know, I don't have to work these days to get things done. Um, so I think just being open to those questions, um, like having a, a structure at a company where everyone's voice can be heard, anyone has a chance to talk to the sea level management it's just such a healthy culture um and i think it 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 makes us all stronger like you know you you don't want to hide away from those questions you want to talk it out because there might be a really good reason that you know you're not doing that yet um and and to have a transparent discussion about it is just really good um and yeah as we talked about before as well like sometimes it's just it takes a new idea it takes someone who is in the room for the first time to ask that question that should have been asked years ago um but you know just someone with a different life experience asks it or, or someone who is looking at it for the first time kind of thinks of it highly agree and i think one of those diversity perspectiving is also the generational difference so i personally had so many lessons with this so i i can proudly say i'm a millennial boomer or whatever uh, the younger people than me, oh my God, they had, they, the way how they live is so different. So one case was, for example, I learned different way of communication when someone commented me on private message that, hey, by the way, the emojis that you're using, you are being so passive aggressive. And I'm like, <laughs> what smiley <laughs> face. No, <laughs> what smiley face. So learning how they communicate and that goes all the way to UX, how people see these. So I just saw a great like, uh lecture of UX design where we all in this call we know why the save icon is that floppy disk but if you now ask the 13 years old what is this disk they would be like what the heck is that why is the save icon in place this cultural background same on UX design Uh, the Sherlock Holmes like the magnifying glass it's obvious for some but if you ask uh, for example Korean people they ask like why is this a uh, paddle club that we are using for search thingy so uh, the way how we see things is so different how we use things is super different like um, I'm one of those guys who edit videos on desktop computer. I would never imagine doing it any other way. I need like two screens. I need my keyboard. I need my mouse. 
And when someone younger from esports uh, scene said to me like, oh, I edit all my videos with my phone. I'm like, you know what? It's your phone. That's magic. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. So if I'm building especially mobile games for these people, I need to understand how they actually use our games. So there's so much more that new people can bring in so many aspects. Like we want to dig your brains in all aspects. We want to hear you out. Yeah, definitely. And I think mobile games is pretty good at this because we're trying to make games for everyone. So we, we have to take everyone into account. Um, with um, the the newcomers as well, I guess not just people starting their career for the first time, but also people coming from other industries. We can learn so much from other industries. Um, like I think you can see in mobile games, there's a massive influence from like, uh, like, economy sort of like economist ways of thinking or like data-driven ways of thinking where we have collaborated closely with people who have like these um, finance-focused backgrounds or our data scientists and and work really closely with them. So it's really developed a lot of like um, the the thought, I think, in in the mobile part of the industry around that. Um, But even for instance, like uh, when I was at Chalmix, our wellbeing manager, um, was hired from like a uh, sort of healthcare and and mental health background, and so had such a great approach to all that stuff that's also important in in the workplace. Like, you know, we had um, people trained up as mental health first aiders and stuff like that. It's really important to to be aware of those things, and and so yeah, there's just so much we can learn from people with different experiences. And maybe even if you let's say you have had a few years gap on on work field, but I can assure that every single mom in this call, you organize things. You are practically producers because you think in advance, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. My kid needs uh, rain boots. It needs this rain jacket. I need to be there at this time. I need to get the kid there. I need to pick it up. This is literally what I do for work every single day. So you have the skills in with you. You maybe just haven't ever thought that, hey, this is an actual work and someone is willing to pay for that job. So there's even from your normal daily life best practices that we could use in the work field as well. No, I love that. And Alice, your your example of obviously someone coming in and they were on the mental health side of things and, and got people trained up on that. Like Maria, have you got an example of where you've previously been as well um, or where you're at now where a newcomer's come in with a fresh idea and everyone's just benefited from it from, from top-down perspective? There was one case on my uh, previous company where someone was like, I really hate the meetings in afternoon. Like it takes away my focus. And I'm like, so could we do the meetings in the mornings? And everybody was like, we could, we should. Uh, Because that was the practice that when uh, that person, I think he was a freelancer before he could manage his own ways of working. But in the business, we always think, oh, we have these eight hours. We need to fill it with things that we do. Maybe we don't. Maybe there's better ways of doing. And that specific team tried it. So they focused all the possible meetings that they could before lunchtime. And they always knew, hey, afternoon, I have time to do the actual work. I have time to think nobody's going to bug me in the middle of anything. That works for them. Not saying it will work for everyone, but I love that we tried it. And I think they're still up to date. Keep that habit because it works for them. Awesome. No, love that. Uh, amazing stuff. So um, I'll move on to our, our last question before we get on to the, the Q&A, uh, which everyone's excited about. So let me just get it on, on the screen again. And the last question will be, um, how do you companies collaborate with educational institutions to create a pipeline of gaming talent there's a lot on that i I could talk about this probably for hours itself but um 
Oh, we'll we'll be this trade longer. <laughs> yeah. uh, other quick short form. Uh, there are so many internship programs, especially in Finland. I cannot speak for the behalf of the whole globe, but all the big companies, because we understand and value that we have resources, we have time and we have experience. We want to give that to the others because we understand the new people joining to the industry is the future of this industry. So we collaborate with the uh, schools, with... Um, I don't know how to call these in a short format and especially in English, but like educational, let's say six months, one year programs where you study and you will get hired to that company who were teaching you. And then even without these uh, collaborations, the companies itself, they have now uh, programs like uh, I think Supercell had the level up, Metacore has the press start, we have our own internships at Rovio, uh, Nitro Games is starting this new Nitro Next system. So we specifically dedicate funds, time, resources and people to help with the internships. And I think every week here at the Rovio office, we have at least one school group uh, hanging around here. We even have like warning in Slack, like coffee machine will be out soon, so pick <laughs> coffee now before they come in. Uh, and they can ask questions, they see how the life is here. And I think a lot of the individuals goes to different schools to tell about the industry. We promote on LinkedIn on social media platforms. What is this about? What do we do? How to get in and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. We have the same thing at MAG. Like a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a school trip come. Um, and then more recently, we had uh, some students come from the, the game assembly um and and mag sort of was talking through like what it's like working there um i i know that there's a lot of people who have graduated and then will go back to their universities to talk to the students that are coming through um for myself i've i've talked to like a couple of different universities i've um gone to like a couple of uh schools as well because i think it's just really great that people know that these things are out there there's like so much free stuff online as well that that you can learn to just start doing it at home <laughs> like if you like time is the most valuable resource and if you've got the time then you can teach yourself so much stuff um but there's a, a really great organization they're uk based but i think they do operate globally called into games and um they collaborate a lot with like various um schools universities um and, and people who are sort of outside of those educational institutions um and, and it's all about helping people get into um, games, but they also work really closely with um, different companies as well to, to collaborate and do events and stuff. So most in the UK, most events I go to, they've got a great like careers fair going there. Um, and, and like those in-person events or even the the virtual equivalents, if, if you can get to them, I know it's not easy for everyone, but if it is possible to go um it's so good to be able to just go over to like the the store for like the game company and be like okay how how do i get to to come and work with you um you can find out a lot that way oh yeah the events definitely we just hosted a games job fair which is a finnish massive event there's a lot of students uh, a lot of people who want to transfer between uh like industries and a lot of big companies here host those events and also i think Almost every single studio in Finland also hosts uh, the Game Jams. And if you don't know what Game Jam is, it's like weekend where you group up with a bunch of random people and you make a game in a weekend. I know it's crazy, but it's fun. And we are not expecting the best quality. It's more about learning and having fun. And that's how you network with people. And you get to see the nice offices as well. Yeah, they're really fun. If you Google um, Game Jam calendar, 
there's a couple of like online ones and then there's a calendar someone's made of just showing like all the the major ones but there's even more than that's what's on the calendar there's just always a game jam happening always several game jams happening at any given moment now love that great guys thank you very much for that so it's moving on to the the q a uh now for everyone so we will get on to the the questions that people have been putting in the comments which I know Alice and Maria have been excited for. So yeah. uh, let me just get this off the screen and then put this up too. So um, let's start and have a look on the chat. So if we go and have a look at the comments and see what we've got. So I could pick maybe one up because I saw someone asking about oh, yeah, absolutely. working from a smaller cities or countries that might not have, like we know Finland is a big bus of games, but it's actually quite uh, Helsinki located and it's a <laughs> very, it's a small country, but there's long distances between some cities and there might not be so many opportunities within some of the northern cities. So thank goodness we have learned in this industry that hybrid works. You don't have to be at the office every single day. If even ever we cater for your needs, not the vice versa. We don't see value of forcing people into the office just for the sake of you being here at the office uh, and a lot of the global companies like we also we have multiple offices around the world we welcome hybrid work across the studios we even promote these nomad systems where you can travel for a few months to different country to work from there so don't think that oh i i live in this random country or this random city i cannot work in the industry like you can don't worry about it yeah and and to piggyback onto that like there's there's a lot of events like this one where you know, you need an internet connection and time and, and you can be a part of it. Um, there's definitely like lo loads of links that I can share that um, I'll put in the comments after this to to just direct people to some global resources. Um, it is really hard for people who are outside of cities or in countries that don't have much of a games industry. Um, but I think the industry is starting to change. It's starting to become a little bit easier. Um, you know, there is more remote working, there is more hybrid opportunities as well for people who need to travel or, you know, just live a little bit further away from the studio. Um, and there, there are some global mentorship opportunities. Uh, there's loads of like tutorials you can find online. Like, I, I don't think that um, you need to have a, a specific qualification to come and give an amazing contribution to the industry. Like there is so much more content than I was taught in my university course available for free online about games so um it's just about kind of being able to um have the like the routine the discipline the time the internet connection to start digging into some of those resources um and again like shout out to that Chris Sayers uh talk about how he became a VFX artist I'll I'll link that one as well because if you want to take that approach of like I'm going to be self-taught um, you know, he, he gives a really great rundown on how he did it in about six months. Um, and, you know, it, it was um, something that cost him money in the sense of like, he had to stop working to do that. And he had to save up to be able to afford to do that. But he also talks about like, you know, how he did it on a budget because he didn't have like a lot of money. He was just kind of getting by. So yeah, there's lots of stuff out there for people based all over the world. And speaking of costs, actually, uh, a lot of the, at least in the fin Finnish scene, uh, if the company needs you to be here at the office for a specific thing, we usually cover your costs, whether it's a flight, hotel night, whatever you need, we will pay for that so you don't have to take care of it. 
Yeah, and a lot of the time for interviews, companies will fly people out if they're based in another country. Um, so you, you don't have to pay for any of that. It, like your hotel and accommodation will get sorted out. Like it, it, I guess it's not always that easy because with entry-level roles, that's maybe a bit less likely to happen. Or if you need visa as well, then that might be not as straightforward. But it's always worth asking because the worst is that they will say no. Um, but they might say yes and, and be able to sort it out for you. Also on that note, if you want to move to a different country to get the game shop, a lot of the times the companies have like a package that they help you to move. They help you to cover some of the costs of transferring your stuff here. And they will help you to get the visas, help you to get an apartment, help you to get yeah. your furniture. Uh, we even have this kind of spouse program. So if you bring your family, they don't have to feel alone that we include yeah. them as well and stuff like that. So we take care of you. Don't worry. And also help you understand it because these systems are so complicated. I don't believe any one person understands all of like the visa requirements around the world. Um, oh, yeah. Finish taxation. Yeah. <laughs> Even I need help on that. Like. <laughs> but you have like a, a great team of people in, in most of these big studios that will help you work it out. And like Mag has the same thing where um they have like welcome to, to Sweden, the the guides for people who've just like relocated. And it's got a whole bunch of stuff in it. Like, you know, what are some fun social things to do? I've just moved countries and I don't know anyone. Um, or like here are some phrases. We we offer um a Swedish language course as well for people who have relocated and want to learn it. So um, even though the office works completely in, in English, like, you know, it, it's there's like so many different levels, uh, like layers to the upheaval of relocating. And I think that a lot of big companies are very understanding of that. Love that. So um, I hope everyone was listening to that, whoever asked that question there. So what we'll do is we'll move on to another one. So this one, as we bring it up, is from Vilma. And her question is, good afternoon from Scotland. Hello. Uh, she's excited for the live. She wanted to hear about any tips for a successful portfolio submission from the art side of the studios. What would be beneficial to include? My position would be a 3D modeler. Um, so Alice and Maria, what are your, your thoughts on that? Variety, variety. You can't have just single style. I know in the traditional art you can go with your own personal style, but in games you need to cover multiple ones, show that your portfolio has a lot of variety. Uh, and if possible, have some sort of placement, whether in the portfolio or during the discussions in the interview, that uh, if you have tech side experience, so I know a lot of you artists, especially on 2D side, you are great at what you do, but you would also need to cover uh, how to implement it or at least understand the requirements for those who will implement it and maybe even optimization that how will it work in the project. Uh, so if you have knowledge on that, amazing, bring it out. If you don't yet have, please study about it a little bit so you have the high level understanding and mention that, hey, I know this is my weak point. I want to learn more. And this is why I am applying to you guys because you will teach me, right? Yeah. Like one of the things that's transferable across art portfolios, design portfolios, writing portfolios, whatever it is, um, think about how it's going to be accessible by the the hiring manager. Like, is do they have to download loads of files to look at it? If so, you know, you need to make that more streamlined. Um, do they? Does it only work if they look at like this very specific long link? Is there an easier way to get that across? Um, and making sure as well that it's like just laid out in the most sort of convenient way, like put your best work at the top and, um, you know, include 
like uh, Maria was saying, a variety of different things that show that your skill set is is ranged and that you can do all these different types of things. One of the things I really like when I'm reviewing people's portfolios is if I can see some breakdown of like how you got there. Like, you know, if you show a finished piece of work, that's great. You can tell me that you can do that work. But I'd love to know how you work because that's like the more interesting thing to me. Um, you know, like that there's lots of different people who can produce that output. But if you show me how you got there, it gives me an idea of like the the new skill sets and potential you have and the things you can learn along the way. Like I think ways of working is is a super helpful thing to try and cover. Um and yeah, just um making sure that you're kind of getting across um the like the fit that you have for the studio you're applying for. So I know that it's not possible to make a bespoke piece of art for every studio you apply for in their style. But, um, you know, if, if you've got a specific genre of, of game that you're always applying to, have a piece of art that kind of reflects that genre. Or like, um, you know, if you really love like simple 2D games, then something in that style. And then every time you apply to that, those types of companies, they'll see like, you know, this this is really relevant to us. Um, and, and I also really encourage people to like shuffle things around in order of like how relevant they are to the company you're applying to. If you try and identify like a couple of um, companies you think are like good bets for you, like, you know, I think I've got a good shot with this company, so I'm going to shuffle things around to reflect like my interest in them the most, just like tailoring it a little bit each time. Amazing. Film, I hope you were listening and good luck. So um, we're moving on to uh, another question, and this is by Ophir Goldstein. And he has said, or asked, sorry, what advice would you give for an entry-level applicant in such a tight and volatile market? Yeah, it is really tough. There's no getting around that. Like the the number of entry-level jobs is, is going down. The number of people who want to go into the industry is going up. So it, it's not going to be possible for everyone to get a job unfortunately like that is the the truth of it i want to say something more inspiring than that but um i think that if you can try and stay positive if you can try and enjoy the journey of skilling up um you know at the end of the day life is like not always about work it's about what happens along the way and and what we get from each sort of experience and the time we put into our lives right so if, if you're enjoying what you're doing that's really important um and remembering that skills can be transferable as well like if you don't have an opportunity that's exactly what you want but you do have another opportunity I'm going to be more likely if you've worked in an office environment before to feel like there's some transferable stuff you can bring to my team or if you've worked on a digital product before there's something there that can translate to games um you know if you've worked in QA maybe you can bring some of that to design and, and like just moving around between different things like try not to sit idle if you're waiting to to get into the industry um but it is really tough right now and and that's why i think so many of us want to do things like this where we're talking and giving advice and, and there is a huge appetite out there for for helping people so you can lean on uh people who want to give mentorship or give advice or, or help out in some way because the amount of time and effort people are willing to give for free is really quite astounding. Um, and, and you can like, you know, you should use that. You should use all the resources available to you um, on the internet. There's so much free stuff and um, you need to be competitive. You need to try and, and find something that makes you stand out. So um, as much as you have the energy to do so, just just keep pushing it. 
I vouch for those skills. So, for example, I came from the sales industry, which honestly like ate my soul and my trust in humanity. Uh, but it did teach me a lot of things like understanding the audience, understanding their needs and frustration. We transferred perfectly to customer service, player support, player understanding, community management. It was like the dream fit, basically. Um, other than that, uh, I'd actually, maybe it's not a global situation, but in Finland, we have seen a massive growth in the game. So there's more and more open uh, jobs. And I think there's a lot of different areas like Saudi Arabia, even the government is investing, excuse my word, a shit ton of money to the industry. So there will be a lot of new positions open. Um, so please just apply. Uh, and on the applications, maybe one thing I would love to highlight is that Please don't come out desperate or demanding like, oh, I need any job in the games industry. Just give me something. We rather want to see and understand why you are applying for this specific company, for this specific role, even if you're new, even if you don't know all about it, that you can show that you have done a little bit of research. You check the company values, maybe some games that they did, and you want that role, not just any role in the industry. Yeah, heavy plus one to doing research. Like almost every company has some sort of thing that's like this is our company values and the narrative you want to tell in your cv and your interview is that you are their dream like you know you don't have to be a unicorn but make them believe you're a unicorn by all means <laughs> you know make, make yourself seem like you are the embodiment of those values um that's that's what the skill of interviewing is about because interviewing is its own skill set right and it's the one that gatekeeps people getting jobs the most so you, you want to try and train those skills too. Um, you know, if, if you've got someone who can help you out and ask you some interview questions, you can look on Glassdoor and find the questions the company asks, run through it a few times, you know, be genuine, be yourself. Um, but also think about like, you know, what's the other side of it? What, what are they going to want to hear? Um, and uh, yeah, the, the other thing as well that's massively relevant to what Maria was saying is um, the industry is like, it, it's massive, but it's also a small place. Like, you know, don't be rude to people. Just be really polite. Don't be too pushy. Like, if someone messages you, oh, I don't have time to give you some advice right now, just remember, like, you know, that one day they might be interviewing you or one day you might be interviewing them. Like, nobody knows how it's going to end up. Um, try and and treat people how you would like to be treated. Amazing. No, so uh, brilliant. Uh, so, Ophelia, again, I hope you're listening and, and got some really good takeaways from, from Alice and Maria there. So, well, we've got time for one more question. Don't worry, anyone who's asked a question, Alice and Maria will answer everything in the comments afterwards. It just won't be on stream live, unfortunately. Um, but we'll move on to the, the last question. So this is from um, Benjamin Shaw. And Ben has asked, uh, with loads of fresh faces making their way into the games industry, is it possible to be too old to break into the industry? Uh, missed your opportunity. I graduated back in 2015, but I've never managed to secure a role in the industry. Um, I'm determined to get into the industry. However, I do worry at times that I may have missed my chance. Um, Alice Maria, the stage is, is yours. Never too late. Never too late. I love this question. There was uh, one lady I was discussing who was like, but I'm too old for the industry. I'm like 35. And I'm like, sweetheart, our company average is 35. We make match three games for women plus 45 years old so who would be better working on those games than someone who understands what the audience needs how they behave how they work so your age does not matter in that sense you're not too old 
uh, as long as you have that passion that you can still learn new skills and you welcome new practices. The one thing I hate from anyone's mouth from any industry is that, but this is how we have always done things that that won't fly here. You need to be able to learn something new. So if whatever you were learning in the school on 2015, that might be already old news, old stuff. So just mentally be prepared to learn something new and you you would be good. Yeah, I, I think having that attitude to always learning is, is such a key thing. Um, but you, you see people at any age, right, who are amazing at what they do or really great learners or just have that enthusiasm. Um, and I think it is like anyone who says you have to be young to, to do a certain job or old to do a certain job is just biased and you should be ignored. <laughs> um, and hopefully, you know, like you're not going to work with people like that. I think most people don't think that way anymore. Um, when I went to university, I was like 21 at the start of it. And I was like, oh, I'm over the hill. <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> um, even though it was only just a few years um, sort of behind everyone else. Um, but it, it quickly stopped mattering. And I think that's the thing is that once you actually get to that thing where you're like, oh, I feel too old to do this thing. And then you're in it. You realize it doesn't matter. Um, and, and going back as well to what we were saying earlier in the conversation, like different perspectives are so valuable. It'd be so boring if everyone at the company was 20, like <laughs> if they were junior and like 50, if they were a lead, like it, it's about how you can perform the job. And it, it's about like, um, you know, just just having that enthusiasm to, to learn and do new things and to sort of hold up your hands and say, I don't know this, but I want to know it. And I think people at any age can do that. Like it's it's like really cool to see people who have their mind open to the idea of learning throughout their life. Amazing. No, and I've just got one thing to add on that as well for you, Ben. So there's an old saying which I like to flip on its head, and that is you can teach an old dog new tricks. So don't worry <laughs> at all uh, about that. But but no, um it's been amazing. I think we've we've run out of time uh for the stream. Like I said before though, uh we will get through all the, the comments and the questions because Maria and Alice will put all the relevant links in the comments and they'll answer everyone's questions as well so uh, i do just want to say a massive thank you to the guests today so alice and maria super super great to have you on and thank you for being a part of it some really really cool stuff which was mentioned in today's stream and also in the comments uh, afterwards too and if anybody who's listening uh, who fancies you know joining the linkedin live just like maria and alice Drop us a message through our, our website. Drop me a message personally, and we'll see if we can, can get something set up. But no, thank you very much, and I'm sure we'll see you again next time.